following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night, late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help and on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker June Hunt. June, there is a book of yours that I have on my shelf, actually. It is about our habits that we often mm-hmm. had. We're not, we're not talking about nail-biting either. We're talking yeah. about those deep-seated, uh, long-standing sometimes habits mm-hmm. that go on. And uh, so you've got a, an excerpt of that that uh, you'd like to share with us. Well, I, I have a fabulous friend who was for 17 years my co-host, Jim Chris, and Every once in a while, somebody asks me about Jim. But I, I just thought I would read something, because I've not done this before. So I, I dedicated this book to him um, because um, he it was perfect, because how to feed harmful habits. He knew what it was like to have habits that um, were uh, literally destructive to him. He said, when I was four, this is from the book, An older boy in my neighborhood convinced me to perform a sexual act with him. To this day, I vividly remember my surroundings, the smells, the sounds, the sight of several other boys watching my every move. I admired and trusted this older boy and sincerely believed, since he suggested it, it must be the right thing to do. From that point on, through early adolescence, my life was filled with sexual experimentation. As a young boy, I developed an insatiable desire to connect with neighborhood girls, often encouraging them to sneak away so we could kiss, uh, fondle, uh, even attempt what we thought was actually sex. During my sleepover times with friends at their homes, um, you know, kissing, touching, that would just be the grand finale of the night. A healthy physical connection with another person was painfully absent in my home, which fueled my desperate search. Both uh, born fifth in the family of six children, my parents had little to give emotionally. Affection and affirmation were almost non-existent as my parents grappled with their daily traumas of, of just raising a family. I have no enjoyable memories of my father during those years, no recollection of his trying to build a relationship with me. Although our family attended church three times a week, my father never talked with me about sexuality, the Christian life, God, or anything else of substance. Not only did my home lack healthy forms of touch, there were also times when my father would angrily whip me with a belt, and my undiagnosed ADHD um, only compounded my ever-deepening feelings of loneliness, shame, rejection, and confusion. When I was 12, an older boy began talking to me about another form of sex. Uh, Prior to that, I had developed serious misgivings about it all, uh, having heard, uh, well, that could give me acne or cause me to go blind. My worldly wise friend, however, quickly dismissed these myths and showed me how to do this act. And really, I I wanted to enhance the situation, so I took racy pictures of women. I carefully noted his instructions, even though the part about looking at pictures 
uh, of women made no sense to me. Even so, a few weeks later, when I tried it for myself, I, I looked at a department store catalog. My friend knew what he was talking about, and I got instantly hooked. Thus began my secret habit, which over time developed into an addiction to pornography and masturbation. Those, during those years, I couldn't find um, actually what I was looking for, but my mom had several catalogs in the house. It's called Poor Man's Pornography, which laid the foundation just for arousal. Through my teen years, I participated actively in church and was, in fact, growing spiritually. I earnestly believed that if I prayed enough, did church activities enough, uh, dated good Christians enough, I would finally win my war with lust. My plan did not work. In my 20s, I sincerely believed that if I attended a Christian college and surrendered my life to full-time Christian ministry, I would find a solution to my problem. I was sincere, but was sincerely wrong. Still, I convinced myself I could just marry a beautiful Christian woman when, and, and then I would certainly find the solution. My plan worked until my newly married, as a newly married man, I found myself one night unable to get my way sexually, and to my deep dismay, my old habit came back. Even as I was earning a master's degree from seminary, actively involved in ministry, my secret struggle continued. What happened was, um, candidly, the, the woman he married um, had been a victim of childhood sexual abuse, and so all of a sudden she could not do what she wanted to do, and that would be to engage with her, her new husband, Jim, and and yet the, the, the upshot of this is all, um, and one day I might finish the rest of it for you, but I, I, I can't, but what I can tell you is there was a tremendous change that occurred, and um, he thought the solution would be just get married. That was not it, but what I can tell you is today, Jim is a therapist with his two master's degrees specifically um, he his forte is sexual addiction and uh, on a rare occasion he and I will talk even though he lives in now in South Carolina and but he has a ministry uh, specifically uh, a counseling ministry and I'm so proud of my friend Jim Chris It's been 20 years since June Hunt was first called into international ministry through the translating of our keys for living into the Russian language. The Lord has refined our focus in recent years to partnership with ministry leaders in key global regions whose reach is expanding to international training events, radio programming, and impact across borders that only indigenous leaders could cross. God is multiplying hope through the translated Keys for Living and the globally relevant counseling model of June Hunt that you have come to understand as a valued listener of Hope in the Night. When you support our Hope for the Heart international ministry, you give directly to men and women who are giving their lives to equip and empower the church in their regions for the Lord's kingdom. Come with us around the world to share the hope of Christ. Visit us online at hopefortheheart.org forward slash international. 
Would you like to talk to June Hunt about a situation in your life? Consider having that conversation on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night and let June help you discover practical help that's grounded in God's truth. Your story will be heard on all of our radio affiliates. And of course, we protect your privacy by providing you with a different name. And as it happens often in our program, when you share your story, you might help someone else find biblical hope and practical help for their life. It's ministry multiplied. For an opportunity to talk with June Hunt on Hope in the Night about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or some other concern in your life, call 800-917. That's 800-644-4817. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call tonight. 800-917. 800-644-4817. Welcome back to Hope in the Night. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we want to help you, and we want to help you help others. Uh, If you have any questions about tonight's topic or any number of topics, we have over 100 Keys for Living that will help you address what's going on in your life. Call our customer support team at 800-488-HOPE. They're available Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'd be happy to help you access the right resources. As Jane was just sharing from the, uh, the beginning, the preface there, the introduction of the book, How to Defeat Harmful Habits, that is one of our books, a title that you can talk to customer support about getting. It uh, really is a, a great uh, look and a study at how you overcome habits and addictions, and uh, you might want to get that for your library. It's a it's very... Uh, uh, useful tool there for you or maybe someone else who uh, is struggling with th- those uh, the addictions and uh, habits themselves and would like to overcome that. The number again for customer support is 800-488-4673. That's 800-488-HOPE. The book again, How to Defeat Harmful Habits. Well, let's get to our caller for tonight. This evening we have a, a listener on uh, in our online resource and you can go to that at hopefortheheart.org. Just look for uh, past programs. It's all there as well as uh, on a podcast if you'd like to look at us that way. But uh, this listener is in California, and tonight we welcome Mark. Well, hello, Mark. Welcome to Hope. Hello. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm blessed to talk with you. How can we help you, Mark? Uh, um, Well, the reason I wanted to talk to you was because there's an ongoing battle with me basically all my life with alcohol. Um, There was a time in my life where I got sober for one year, then I relapsed, then I did two and a half years, then I relapsed, and then the last time um, I did three years, and that was because I went to rehab for about six months. And Mm. then during the pandemic, I ended up relapsing, and ever since that, it's been an ongoing battle where I'll gather up maybe like 30 days or 60 days the most, mm-hmm. and I'll end up going back out again. And the only way I actually have gotten some sort of sobriety is because of attending Alcoholics Anonymous or just actually being in the program. Um, my question is like, what I always ask God is like, I don't understand 
why it is that other people have the ability to get sober and stay mm-hmm. sober in the program. Or just, I've even had friends that didn't even need Alcoholics Anonymous and would drink a lot and were full-blown alcoholics and they actually made a decision to never pick up a drink ever again and have remained sober for years. And for me, it just seems like it's a lot easier to get sober than it is to stay sober. Um, My dad... um, has always told me, because I grew up in the church, that the reason I can't get sober is because I haven't fully given everything to God, and a lot of it has to do with my sexuality. Um, And so I've met people in the program that are gay um, that obviously are sober and have remained sober. Mm-hmm. Um, I was once told that they both don't, they don't both coexist, um, but in my life, it just seems like when I do get sober, then I fall back into pornography, and it's just like either that or alcohol, it's a back and forth situation, I'm always looking for like instant gratification to, you know, to that ease and comfort that alcohol brings me. I'm always looking for something that make me feel good. And um, mm-hmm. another uh, problem that I have is that I always have like a choking feeling in my in my neck. And I actually sometimes go on like YouTube and watch like these deliverance prayers um, ministries where people get set free from demons and things like that. And I recently just uh, was watching one guy and um, some minister that does that, and um, I called them. They're in Florida. I'm in California. And they said, well, he could pray for you. They're like, but, you know, ultimately for deliverance, you would have to come in in person. So, and it's crazy because today I just received a text from them saying that uh, the message was passed on to the minister, but... Unfortunately, he feels that I need to find a ministry close to me for for them to be able to perform a deliverance upon me because it's not going to work just over the phone, you know. And, um, yeah, I tell my parents that all the time. I'm like, I don't understand what it is. Maybe, like, I can go somewhere for them to pray for me so that I can be set free from these demons or, you know. But my parents are like, no, just... You gotta just trust in God, you know, and this and this and that. But I always just feel like there's something there that just won't leave me um, because I don't understand what makes it so easier for other people to stay sober. And for me, it just seems like it's just kind of like the impossible um, because I always hear about people in AA that end up either they get sober or they die or they get sober at one point for like 10 years and they relapse mm. and they go out and then they actually do die. I've, I've seen, I've, I've witnessed people in the program that have eventually died from alcoholism mm-hmm. because they just didn't get sober and keep and stay sober. So I guess that's where I'm at right now in my life. When you said that uh, the two addictions, 
uh, you were told that they cannot coexist. Didn't you say that? Um, well, my dad says, my dad's so, old school, like, um, Christian okay. Pentecostal. My dad says that in order for you to break free from one sin, you got to get rid of another one as well. But I, but the thing is, like, when I go, like, to Alcoholics Anonymous, obviously there's gay people there, too. Mm-hmm. They have remained sober, and they're, they're in the program. So how can they get sober and stay sober and be gay? But see, mm-hmm. my dad says that the reason why I can't is because of my sexuality. He goes, you got to get rid of that, Even I mean... Sorry, Mark, you can't get, you got to get rid of that because uh, mm-hmm. um, that's what's keeping you from getting full, fully free, in okay. other words. Yes. The reason I ask is um, it is actually not unusual. In fact, it's more normal or usual for there to be dual addiction. And I'm um, saying that because um, a it's called either poly addiction or dual addiction refers to being dependent on two or more addictions at the same time. Um, typically, strugglers have multiple addictions because one addictive high, and there's a high that occurs uh, like in, with a, a sexual experience, uh, firing in the brain makes them highly susceptible then to another addiction. And if you're coming off of one, the desire, uh, there's a, like a craving for that same high through another addiction. And therefore, um, the whether it's sexually acting out, it's dopamine, that, that feel-good chemical is released in the brain. Then soon after, the body craves more, and that's where alcohol or crack, you know, c- can increase the dopamine release. I'm just explaining why there can be dual addiction, because it's performing a function. If one's coming, is is uh, if you're coming off of one, then there in and and you're craving another in the brain, uh, that's um, where the other addiction then takes over. And I, I'm saying that just for clarity. I, what, I, what I hear is, it's not that you're wanting to be addicted. Um, by the way, in the Bible, in Second Peter 2, 19, um, we read, people are slaves to whatever have, has mastered them. So we can be a slave, if you will, letting something else master us instead of the Lord Jesus Christ being our master and letting him have that rightful role. And there's a lot in Scripture about... Um, uh, the, the, like Romans 6, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, um, so now offer yourself as slaves to God. 
to righteousness, leading holy, leading to holiness. Uh, what benefit did you receive at the time of the things that you are now ashamed of, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Now, I'm reading that just to say you can get to where you actually experience that, and I'm hearing you've got voices over here, like your dad, uh, who obviously wants what's best for you, uh, yet you're saying, yeah, but, you know, I, I will do this for a period of time. I will be sober, and yet it, I feel it's overwhelming in my life. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. When I get sober, I become so angry and so um, irritable and just... I just don't want to, like, live life. I mean, things do get better. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as I don't have problems, like, when I'm drinking. But at the same time, I feel no happiness. Um, I see the people in the meetings, and I see how happy they are and everything. And sometimes I feel like they're just lying, or I just don't trust them. And I'm not feeling what, I'm not getting what they're getting, in other words. Mm-hmm. Well, I could say it's not that they are being deceitful. I'm talking about a lot of people. Um, it's that once they deal, and, and um, there, there's something that is really significant that you're saying. It's like when you get sober, it gets harder. Is that right? Yes. Okay, let's talk about the why of that. And this is really significant. And I'm very glad that you told me this because I'm going to be telling you something that deals with... It's our material that we have on uh, alcohol and drug abuse. But there's... If you look at what function does the alcohol have or an addiction... There is, and it deals with past pain, and therefore there are mood-altering drugs, which you know about. That's, and, and it alters your mood. It alters how you feel. And that's what we're going to talk about, just to give explanation of why you're, you're experiencing what you're experiencing. June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart have an exciting new resource to encourage you and equip you to help others. It's called the Care and Counsel Library, and it's available at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. The Care and Counsel Library has 50 topics in 10 volumes with clear answers from God's Word and practical solutions to real-life issues. It is the culmination of decades of ministry from the compassionate, relevant guidance of June Hunt. This library includes volumes such as grief and loss, abuse and trauma, depression and suicide, and more. These are excellent training tools for counselors, life coaches, or anyone who wants to grow in biblical wisdom to address the real issues of life. Learn more and get the Care and Counsel Library at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. That's hopefortheheart.org 
slash ccl. If you're looking for a place to find encouragement and guidance, check out junehunt.org. That's where you can find June's practical, biblical resources, including June's books and Bible studies on a variety of topics like anger, depression, forgiveness, addictions, relationships, and more. June's resources offer biblical hope and practical help for all of life's challenges. They are great for personal study and growth and equipping you to help others. At junehunt.org, you can also find June's music, her translated books in Spanish, and keep up with all the latest news and interviews with June. And if you've missed an airing of Hope in the Night, you can access the broadcast archives from this site and search for specific topics. At junehunt.org, there's also a place to donate and support us financially to help more people find practical guidance from God's Word through our radio broadcasts, biblical resources, and more. We're grateful for your prayers and support, and we hope you'll check out the resources for you at junehunt.org. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver, and you are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. We're a ministry of Hope for the Heart, and we'd like to thank you for your prayers and support of our ministry. If you have questions or concerns about the topic of alcohol and drug abuse, we have resources on that. You can give our customer support team a call at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central, and they'll help you access the right resources. Our keys for living on alcohol and drug abuse called Breaking Free and Staying Free, and and, uh, customer support can help you with that at 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. If you prefer to email them, you may do so at customer support at hopefortheheart.org. Ask any questions you have regarding topics and resources discussed in tonight's program. Again, that's customer support at hopefortheheart.org. Now back to our conversation tonight with Mark. Mark, I want to, I want to compliment you. Um, you're being very specific. Uh, you're not trying to um, duck words and just duck duck the truth, um, and I, that impresses me. Um, you are saying that you would love to be free of an addiction, but you know it's it's not understanding. Um, even though you've been in treatment, you've done a lot of work uh, but you keep going back and so I'm back into um, you've got a couple of addictions but you know you just last thing you were talking about sounded as though it was alcoholism is that correct okay and uh, how old are you Mark 44 okay thank you yes Okay, now, let, let, I'm just going to be candid here. Most people don't begin their lives being dependent on substances. But they become dependent through repetition. Repetition, repetition. By repeatedly using a substance to satisfy some unmet need. Now, there's a cycle of addiction that can be helpful to understand. And here's how the the cycle typically progresses. It starts with past pain. 
In other words, the pain is there, and that can be the motivation for using whatever drug of choice. My heart is aching. I don't like how I'm feeling because of what happened in the past. Can you identify with that? Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. I kind of like, <clears throat> I understand what you're saying, but it's not really that uh, clear. Okay. Typically, what is going on is there is a cycle. And a cycle means it's repeated and re over and over. But the cycle starts with past pain. Um, you know, my, my heart is hurting or I'm hurting in my life or I don't like what's going on in my life because of what happened in my past. And therefore, in order to seek a temporary solution to an emotional problem or the emotional pain, that's where a mood-altering drug comes into play. We're not talking about aspirin. We're talking about that which enables you to feel differently. I don't like how I'm feeling. I just want to feel better. And the, there's a different use. I mean, diff, different drugs produce different um, reactions, different, like uh, um, alcohol is a uh, typically called it sometimes called a downer but it's it can kind of level out the the highs um, it's a depressant and therefore it can form a function of not feeling pain or not uh, not dealing with what's really fully going on um, the problem is then there's an addiction by using over and over on a regular basis this mood-altering drug, whatever, whichever one it would be. And it's like I have to have more to medicate my pain. And that's where um, we can, instead of us being in control of our lives, it's like then with repetitive use, therefore addiction, the chemical in this case, if we're talking about a chemical, it begins to control our lives. Or if, yeah, it's, the right. if, if it's the issue of um, a, a sexual addiction, there is a sexual high that's designed by God. And for for our lives, it's it's designed by God to be used in marriage. But if indeed we have a, a sexual addiction, uh, it will change. It change your changes your brain chemistry. I said it wrong. It is it affects your brain chemistry. In other words, it is a high, and then there is a desire for more or for continuation. Yet when you, ha after a sexual high, then later, um, as you're coming off of that, that's where the alcohol can come in 
to provide a different uh, a different use for your brain. And a lot of people haven't talked about the brain, but this is all taking place within the brain. And so now it moves from what, what I talked about first was the past pain, then a mood-altering drug to deal with the past pain. Re regular basis is an addiction. That's number three. Number four, now all of a sudden, ah, violating values, <sighs> breaking an internal moral code where it's like, <sighs> but, but I don't care. I have to have it because I need it. And yet you can be conflicted because you indicated you were even raised, you know, like in the church and these, like with a moral uh, compass uh, from your family. And yet, and so, and so therefore, now you can feel guilt. Wow. Well, nobody wants to feel guilty, um, but you're being, you can feel convicted about wrong choices. You know, I know what I did wasn't good. I know it's not good at all. Um, and so then guilt goes to shame. Well, you've got sh this guilt, shame, and pain, and then that starts the whole cycle again. So then what do you do? A mood-altering drug. And then with repeated use, it's addiction, violating your values, You've got the guilt, shame, and pain. Nobody likes to feel that. So, again, another, uh, it's not just another shot, but it's another um, leap into what is um, going to alleviate that guilt and shame and the pain and the mood-altering drug um, performs that function. So, when you said, and this is what made me think about it, you said, when you get free of, now you're sober, but then it's like you feel angry. You don't like how you feel because, see, now you're not medicating yourself. You're, it's like you've got real life without having to uh, anesthetize the, the, the truth. I think the issue of, of, of why you're struggling when you get sober is you keep looking for something to numb the pain. Yeah, you know, like during the time of, of those three years when I got sober, what happened was that I went to rehab for six months, and then after that I began working and I was being productive, and I would go mm -hmm. to my meetings and this and that, and I would go to um, gay bathhouses. Like, every Saturday, I would go to a gay bathhouse, mm -hmm. and I would go in there and, you know, to have sex and stuff, and I figured, well, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm. It's just, you know, sex. It's not like it has any type of emotional attachment to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it kept me somehow from, you know, drinking. And then during the pandemic, all of the bathhouses closed down because of COVID. Yeah. And, um, there was a time and then I ended up losing my job 
And so, therefore, I didn't know what to do, so I would walk over to the park, and I would just, like, start trying to wear myself out. Well, I was looking for work as well at the time, but I couldn't find a job. But I was trying to wear myself out because I just didn't know what to do anymore. I was like, I go to my meetings, I, I, I you know, I have a sponsor, I'm doing the, mm-hmm. you know, the program, I'm looking for work, but... At the same time, it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but I don't want to drink. I don't want to go there. And eventually I ended up picking up a drink. And yeah, it's right what you're saying, because once I get sober, once you, it's like, I always hear in AA that alcohol was our solution, that it's just a symptom of my problems. It's not really the problem. Um, And that's the thing. It's like, alcohol is... Yeah, it's like a, it was like a form of medication at one point in my life. But somehow or another, it always turns its back on me. And it causes me a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. I end up hurting my parents and my family. And then I get so bad that I end up in the hospital. This last time I ended up in the hospital and my alcohol withdrawals are so bad Um I was feeling like bugs were crawling all over me. Um, and then I, as a result of my alcohol, I ended up getting chronic pancreatitis. Wow. Um, and, yeah, sometimes I feel like, like, I always feel like, God, like, where are you? Like, how come is it true that maybe it's cause, because I'm gay that I can't break free from this, God? Like, because other people can do it. And they stay, you know, free abstinence from alcohol. And I'm just not able to conquer it and break free from this and stay sober and be happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand why. I sometimes feel like maybe I was destined to die, you know? Um, That's the only thing I could come up with. I don't understand why. Well, let me just say that Jesus is the one who said, I've come to set the prisoner free. And in other words, whatever we are held captive to, he offers freedom. And so death has a normal time frame. Um, It's not though, God's always going to do what's going to be best for you. And he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's been 20 years since June Hunt was first called into international ministry through the translating of our keys for living into the Russian language. The Lord has refined our focus in recent years to partnership with ministry leaders in key global regions whose reach is expanding to international training events, radio programming, and impact across borders that only indigenous leaders could cross. God is multiplying hope through the translated Keys for Living and the globally relevant counseling model of June Hunt that you have come to understand as a valued listener of Hope in the Night. When you support our Hope for the Heart international ministry, you give directly to men and women who are giving their lives to equip and empower the church in their regions for the Lord's kingdom. Come with us around the world to share the hope of Christ. 
Visit us online at hopefortheheart.org forward slash international. As we each solve the puzzle that is our life, we often have questions we can't answer. Usually, they're little nagging questions, but sometimes they're larger. So large, in fact, the answer or even the question itself can have life-changing consequences. June Hunt believes the best answers to these tough questions come from God Himself, and He's given us those answers in the Bible. For more than 20 years now, June has helped callers find these biblical answers and apply them to their lives. You can talk with June on her radio program, Hope in the Night, about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or another concern in your life. Call 800-NIGHT-17. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call now, 800-644-4817. listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we'll get back to our caller in just a moment. Our customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central, and they'll help guide you to God's hope through our resources. We do have keys for living on tonight's topic, alcohol and drug abuse, breaking free and staying free is the title there, and uh, one of our keys for living that might be helpful to you. That number again, 800 800- 488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. Maybe there's an issue, a situation in your life you'd like to talk with June about on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night. Just give us a call at 800-Night-17. That's 800-N-I-G-H-T-1-7. Just call and uh, we'll call you back and talk to you about being on an upcoming Hope in the Night. That's 800-Night-17, 800-644-4817. Let's return now to our conversation with Mark. Mark, I understand exactly what you're saying, and and uh, my friend, what what you've said is very logical. Um, I understand why you're saying uh, what the the lure is. Um, by the way, I want to know very specifically: has there been a time where you know, you know, you humbled your heart, you? receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but it's giving him true control of your life uh, where he is your Lord and Savior. So has that occurred or is that something you would want to have in, in your life? I have at one point, um, but I was told that <clears throat> there's a difference between making um, making Jesus your Savior, and your Lord. I think that um, a lot of the times in my life I've made him my Savior. You know, when I'm in trouble, uh-huh. like, God help me. You know, and I've even done done the sinner's prayer. Uh-huh. But as far as making him my complete Lord in my life, uh-huh. I don't think I've ever... I think that's something that I struggle with because, uh, I mean, because of the things that I choose to do. You know, and um, so I was always told that there was a difference between, you know, either making him your Lord or your Savior. Um, 
that's something that I do kind of feel bad about because it's like I'm the type of person that only calls upon God when I'm in trouble, you know, and yeah, I a lot of the times I am in trouble, but when everything's going good and I got the ball rolling and, you know, things, it's like I don't even think about God and things like that. You know, I only think about Him when, like, my life is completely, like, just, you know, falling apart and things okay. like that. I swear up and down, I'm not going to drink anymore, or I'm not going to, mm-hmm. like, be with this guy anymore, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I have, that I do call upon him. I know that he is the only way, the truth, and the life, and the only answer. But I think the majority of the time, it's like I always choose bad, you know? Okay, you know, I, I, I appreciate you talking about those two words, Savior and Lord. Um, there are many, many people who do believe in the existence of Jesus. They can tell you things that they've uh, not only studied about him being on earth. And um, I, I remember uh, very candidly, I, there was a time when I was asked, are you a Christian? And I, I said, yes. What that meant to me was, I'm not Jewish, uh, and uh, but it instead, uh, and I've, I, I remember um, thinking I, I didn't even know the distinction that you already have talked about. Uh, it is true; those words are in the Bible, Savior, Lord. Um, the way I say it is. When he is, he is the one who, it's not a title, Lord Jesus Christ, like Lord um, somebody in England. They have titles, Lord some Lord and Lady. Well, uh, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I believe that that's when you become a true authentic Christian is when you allow him to be your Lord. That means master, ruler, owner. You give him ownership of your life and then he comes into your life to literally you are saved. And it's more than that though. It's really extraordinary. With The Bible says, and I remember never even knowing anything about this, the Bible says, and this, by the way, is very important, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I remember thinking, in you, in you. Uh, I wasn't raised with that kind of teaching, but I wasn't raised with the Bible either. So, in you, see, Now, let me ask a question. Do you believe that Jesus is all-powerful? I do, but I don't see it in my own life. Like, Mm -hmm. I see other people, you know, him being powerful in their life, but I just don't understand in my own life because, obviously, I, I don't... I can't conquer certain things. There's certain things that I'm not able to just break free from. Okay. I mean, I'd like to think that he can for me, but somehow it seems like he doesn't 
that that other people, what other people, what I've seen other people testify about how they've overcome about certain things, I don't see that within my own life happening. I'd like to well, think that it yeah. would be happening, but <clears throat> yeah, it's like a tough question. Do you believe Jesus ever sinned? No, I don't believe he sinned. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe, I don't believe, like when people tell me that he was tempted in every which way, that he went through everything, I don't believe that Jesus went through what I went through. In other words, if yes. he was God in, in flesh form or in mankind, uh, I don't think he was an alcoholic. I don't think he's experienced the struggle with alcoholism or homosexuality or things like that or feeling possessed. That's where I was telling my mom the other day, and she's like, he, went, he felt everything that we all feel. And I'm like, I don't think he, he struggled with these sort of issues that I'm struggling with. Well, don't, don't forget. No, no, yeah, oh, absolutely you do. Uh, it's just he did not act on anything that would move him in a position where the Heavenly Father was not first. I think the issue that I'm hearing, and um, I really appreciate us talking about this, when we allow him to take control of our lives, and he, and if we allow him to come into our lives by letting him be our Lord and Savior, then on the inside, he can change us. He changes us inside out. Um, and what I mean by that is that there, there, he becomes the power source for you, for me, to be an overcomer. And therefore, that I think the missing link here is it's not just acknowledging that he's the Savior. It's, and not just praying a prayer. Uh, I hear that you, yes, you've prayed what some people call the sinner's prayer or the salvation prayer, but how are we saved? It's when we allow him to be our Lord. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So we get adopted into his family, but he becomes the need meter on the inside of us. I think that's what you're missing. And you admitted, you know, well, no, I haven't made him Lord. Well, I think the issue is... Uh, by the way, Lord doesn't mean that um, you now would never make a mistake uh, or that you wouldn't choose wrong. What I I can tell you is as we mature in a Christian relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not that we are sinless, but it's we sin less and less. And less because he's on the inside changing us and he he becomes our need meter. For example, you have inner needs that every single person on earth has for love, significance, and security. And that's huge. Love, significance, and security. And in truth, God knows how to meet 
the need because the Bible says, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What that means is it's true. Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in every way. We could just say in categories. The whole point is he chose not to act on that which would become addictive. So you're right. He didn't have an addiction because he didn't act on what he was tempted for or, or the, in the areas where he was tempted. Um, and that's because he allowed, uh, his, his focus was, I'm going to do what the Heavenly Father wanted me to do or wants me to do. Um, specifically, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, as I'm listening, and I, I hope we can talk again, because I think there are solutions. I'm, I'm hearing you're wanting solutions. You, you don't, uh, I, I'm, I'm not hearing that you, you refuse to even listen to any truth. That is, that's not you, at least not with me, you're not. And yet, um, it makes sense to me, wh again, why you would have a couple of addictions, double addictions, um, because when one is going out, the other comes in, and it seems to meet the need at the moment. Does that make sense? That you, you're, Are you hearing that I'm hearing you? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, yes, I do believe that. Okay. Well, I'm going to send you something um, that might be helpful to you, but would you like for us to talk again? Yeah, I, I would like that. Okay. Um, I am tracking you, and I care. I care that you get to where, yes, you can actually not only be sober, but you can be content and have peace instead of the anger that you have. I think part of that is we need to just deal with some of the stuff that has been painful to you in your life. And I can promise you, Jesus can literally, he's paid the price for any sin that we would enact. But I think the issue is to process, there's a reason why you're angry when you get sober. And that is gonna be important for us to talk about. Meanwhile, I'm gonna be sending you our keys on um, alcohol and drug abuse, breaking free and staying free. I believe that will be a part of the help. But uh, most of all, we've got listeners that are praying for you. And I mean that, they sincerely are. We will send our keys for living on alcohol and drug abuse called Breaking Free and Staying Free. We'll send that out to tonight's caller, Mark. And we do that free of charge. That's because of your generous support of this ministry. If you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash donate. And we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And our materials and recent programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also find our programs wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.